Welcome back to the show and go. Got the boss in here, Vintage Jackson. More than a degenerate's dropping this Thursday, Skip. Yeah, yeah. Um, Scope haven't, hasn't dropped merch in a while and his merch always seems to fly. He's got that loyal following and um, we've talked about the vlog, which we'll be dropping today about us hiring him. So he's going to be part-time here. Um, so I'm excited about that. And to roll into his merch drop this week, it's a bit of a giggle, sort of a rip-off of more than an athlete from LeBron. So we're fucking, we're not hiding the fact that we've, we've actually ripped that off. But um, there's going to be a bit of storytelling. We're going to build some content content in and around it so if you do love the scope make sure you get on uh thursday so it's going to be vlog leading up to it we're going to drop and then we're rolling into the footy companion so it should be a bit of a good day it's cool merch as well i love it yeah it's just just so fucking like rip off it's not even funny so yeah yeah a bit of a giggle all right let's roll straight into a bit of footy obviously we got some massive talking points coming out of the weekend we're going to start with your boy tommy trebojevic tripod tommy tripod tommy who put Uh, that up you i put that (laughs) Um, all the comments were just ripping into that as well. Yeah. Uh, let's, you mentioned last week that I said I think it makes them 50% better. You said more. Um, and we were both wrong. We were both wrong. Right. They're even way better than that. Tommy comes back, mate. I suppose the takeaway for me was I thought they went straight away from a wooden spoon contender to the top eight side with Tommy back in. What did you make of his return? Uh, yeah, I, I, I see them between the, maybe between six and 12. I know you've talked about this on your podcast. Is that little log jam where obviously the best teams are the best teams. You can see that the worst teams are the worst teams. But that little middle period, mm. that's almost where the competition is, like the skirmish, the, the war within the war. That's where everyone's going to be fighting for. But Tommy, he's class. And like I sort of said last week, I'm like, yeah, him and Brimo, like right now they're sort of on the same. Man, that's just a bit of just like, Brimmer's a gun, but that was just disrespectful to Tommy. And he'd come out, showed what he's worth. And an old coach used to, of mine used to always say, like, good players make those in and around him better. So he made Chez better. He made Foran better. Um, you talked about Schuster off air. He made him a lot better. And they put 40, is it 40? They put 40? Yeah. yeah put they had 30, 28 at the half. Yeah, put 40 on Titans who who seemed to be a good side this year. So, man, it was great to see Tommy back and would have been interesting if he started the whole season. So, where do you see them? Yeah, I well, I'm, I'm a bit of a prisoner at the moment, so I'm going to say top eight. Mm. <laughs> I think they're a top eight side with him. Um, for me, I was blown away by, like, he looked like he was not in third gear, but that wasn't, like, Tommy wasn't 100%, obviously. He was he was getting into space and looking for the pass when usually he could just put the hammer down and fucking go. But mm. Tommy Trebojevic in third gear can put 30 on a side that everyone expects to be top eight, top four. Some people had them, um, with obviously Fafita and Tino in there. So I was blown away by how much it changed their whole attack. We, you mentioned foreign. That was the best game Foz has played all year. He hasn't been playing bad, but it allowed him, basically, they could just sit back. Tommy was running the middle. Lachlan Croker had an amazing game out of hooker as well. Yep. Um, but it just, like, Kez's main focus was, okay, focus on my kicks. And he was dropping it a metre out from the goal line in the corner every time, every time, because he didn't have to overthink. Tommy allowed them to get that quick, you know, he gets that quick fourth tackle, fifth tackle, play the ball. So fast when he, like, he, you have to legs tackle him because he's so strong. Yeah. Pops up, quick play of the ball, and you get that time. It's a to smart play that, because then he doesn't have to really get in the kick chase as well. So yeah. he'll he'll get the quick play of the ball and just sit there and sort of he just falls back into fullback as well. So, and he carries the ball really strong and really well as well. But like you said, Fozzie, like, um, I don't watch the full game, but I peep the highlights. Fozzie looked like Fozzie of old. He did. Like, nice and direct into the line. And whenever you've seen Fozzie play his best, he's always got weapons in and around him. He's never been a sort of like X Factor type that he's going to do a break a game on his own. He, he's, he's quality, he's class, but he's just so much better when he's got that skill set in and around him. And when you've got a class fullback behind you, your Tedesco's, uh, your Tommy Turbos, anyone like that, when you're defending at half and you have to make the double read, so you've got the half or the back row ripping off your inside shoulder, but then you see Tommy at the back as well and you're expected to make the double read, it just makes everything a lot of bit, little bit harder because the inside pressure is not coming as hard. I don't know, it just frees everyone up a little bit more. Yeah. And 
thing about Tommy that a lot of that's underestimated is, is his height. So like a lot of the times he can get a ball like that, and he can they, he used to practice his pass. It was just like you know most half, oh, fullbacks will have to skim it across their center. He yeah. can do it over the top as well. So he can run, he can pass short, he can pass long, he can pass over the top of you, and he can fucking kick off both feet as well. He could have played AFL easily. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. He's freakish. Um, the interesting part is keeping them healthy, how do they maintain them during the week? And most importantly, when they rock up to fucking Brookvale and they've got the shittest grass in the world, man. Just rest them. <laughs> yeah. And that that's kind of like the first, uh, if I was if I was Desi Has, I'd be mowing the lawns myself. You know what I mean? I'd be going down there, go, get it, you know, the lowest one you can possibly have go. Have you watched the basketball last chance you yet? Which one? No, uh, I haven't watched it. Uh, the coach, same thing. The coaches out there, they have one time where they're, because they're playing at some like fucking third division, you know, yeah. pick up school. The the court wasn't properly like buffed and one of the guys rolled his ankles. So now he gets out there every day and buffs it. He's oh. like, I'm not letting a shit court like ruin my players. So nah. get out there, Dizzy, get mowing. Um, <laughs> you see Dizzy cruising um, around for a You mentioned more. obviously like his health's going to be a big part, but we saw like, I haven't seen in a long time, you know, obviously I'm going to use a Warriors reference because that's my team. But when Sean went down in 2017, the Warriors were sitting fifth and they lost their last eight games and missed the eight. Like Sean was everything to that Warriors side. I don't know if there's, and I'll be interested to get your take on this, is there a player that's more important to their team than Tommy is to Manly right nah, now? Not like right, one not, nah, not right now. And only reason you say that is because like when, you, when you've got Tommy, when you've got Chez, when you've got um, Jakey, and they're all on roughly about a million dollars um, either side of it as well, you, there's, a, there's a consequence of that to the rest of your team. You can't have like... Like uh, quality players, so you look at someone like Penrith, where they might have Nathan Cleary that's on that. All the rest would be down run. Maybe their guns would be around 500, 600. So, because of the salary caps there for a reason, they feel it a lot more because they had to pay these guys. One, they're juniors. Two, they want to keep them within the area. But three, they're absolute guns as well. So, I, I don't think there's anyone right now. Like even say maybe maybe a Tedesco. Off the back of Kerry, but if if he goes down, there's just like there's someone that could replace him. That's Joey okay. Money. Joey, yeah. Joey Money moves back as well. Might hurt him a little bit more with Kerry out and Jake Friend out. But I think in terms of individual people, I think it's yeah Tommy and no one close. One player, I agree. It's got to be Tommy. Um, let's transition then into the two point field goal range because obviously we saw Cleary hit one Thursday night. Seems like a we always say this seems like a age ago. Whenever you get in there on a Monday, um, but Ren Diggity obviously mm. with the biggest kick of the freaking weekend. I wanted to talk about the two point field goal specifically because we came into the season. It was an exciting. It was a cool rule, but it did feel a little bit. Gimmicky. Gimmicky. Like yeah, it felt agree, like agree. we were kind of talking. We we're like maybe Benji hits one on half time or like who the fucking knows. But it's gonna. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I reckon it's going to come to the point now where you almost, if you want to be a legit side, you kind of have to have at least someone in your squad who can consistently hit that. And mm. um, you played halves. You know how I wouldn't big be a no, kick that yeah, is. Like, I would have been nowhere near that. Uh, yeah. But obviously, Ren wins a really good kick. And like you said, like I saw it as a gimmicky thing as well. I was like, oh, they're just fucking making up new rules just, just to keep crowds happy. Or fuck, or who knows what they do what, shit the, for the now. The 2040. Yeah, the 2040. <laughs> lowest rule ever. Who, who the fuck's making that 2040 rule? But um, yeah, re- the execution of that. And obviously, you... There's a lot of times when you're in that sort of two-point sort of range as well. So mm. what it does, it kind of nullifies like, oh, we're going to go two points ahead and then you might score a try. And instead of people like fighting for penalties, and you can see that a lot of times you're in front, the boys are wiggling. <laughs> like it might take out that sort of really floppy kind of action yeah. um, where people are taking dives and stuff. So yeah, like that execution of that from Ren, and I don't think too many people can hit that as, as well as he could. Yeah. He's probably got three guys, and now they're off the top of my head. Latrell can probably hit that. 
Benji can probably hit that. So they've yeah. kind of got three guys on their side. Yeah. And there's probably three teams in a row who probably have no one that can hit that. So Yeah, easily. There'd be a lot more teams that, that yeah. couldn't hit that. So apparently Pat, we're talking in our card gang because Nathan Cleary's in there, um, Ren's in there. Like, oh, how good's the card gang? So one's just smacking all the... And apparently <laughs> Pappenhausen can hit him like pretty easily. He hit that big field goal last year against the Roosters, I think. And it was yeah. close to 40 out. Um when they sort of deferred from money and went straight back to him. So he looks like he can smack him. Yeah. Cheese cheese reckons he can smack him easily. Like not cheese can. Oh, nah. nah he's, talking about, he's talking about Baffin now. Cheese probably thinks he can as well. I, I heard Paps up. I said, but you got the legs for that? He goes, and then Cheese just went straight in. He goes, yeah. yeah, he fucking smacks him all the time at training. So yeah, I don't like normally he's probably got enough of a boot as well. Definitely. Yeah, he left footer. But besides that, man, I don't think there's too many that could. But it's an advantage, you know what I mean? They Rin's just upping his value just a little bit more. He's in contract talks and he, he's the one executing and he's the one bringing him in games. Yep. The end of that game was fucking crazy. I've never it seen was, anything like it. I've never seen anything like that. It was, um, South seemed to be in those games. The craziest finish to a game I've seen in a long time is, do you remember? I think they were playing, I'm going to forget who they were playing and they when Rin scored off the kickoff, Dave Taylor ran up. Do you remember that? He hit the pass off oh, the kickoff yeah, and Rin yeah, went the distance. Yeah. Isaac Luke flicked it back over his head. Yeah. South seemed to get in these wild finishes all the time and a lot of it comes down to Burgess in the end. Yeah. <laughs> the big boy rolling. But it was like... I it mean, did look like a dodgy put down, eh? It did. But it also looked like a really like... Wayne Bennett sort of play where they get that quick play of the ball on the fourth they shape like they're going to throw back to the fullback and hit the front man so the marker's just over chased I don't know whether that's coaching nah, whether that's cookie just nah, that's not seeing co- what that's it just, is that's just cook- like, you're not going to plan for that because yeah. that's just hypothetical you know yeah. what I mean and like that you plan for proper structure and proper execution that's just cookie playing off the top of his head and yeah. seeing uh, the space yeah yeah so yeah it's a bit of a dodgy put down but yeah. fuck it would have been weird if it went the other way as well eh? it would have been bizarre yeah, yeah. I don't would have never seen a finish like that before I don't think we will for a while too. It was kind of like one's going to win and one's going to lose. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. It just reminds me of like NFL and stuff, you know, and they check yeah. it up and fucking crazy, crazy. Pressure on the video ref. Um, let's roll. You mentioned on Pappy, so that kind of transitions nicely into the Storm stuff. Um, we wrote about it in the mag, but I think it's probably worth readdressing again the Storm Big Five. I know the Roosters were under strength. It was a lot of people talking about that, but it's still the Roosters, man. And they kind of did it quite easily in the end. Harry Grant, we've kind of been waiting for him to come back and be Harry Grant, be the baby goat. And that was kind of his proper first. Full game back there. What did you make of Harry Grant and what does he do for their side? Do you know what? Like, it's, it sounds so weird that the best player to ever play the game leaves and Harry Grant just rocks up. And you don't, like, to be honest, you wouldn't even really. Besides that Penrith game a couple of weeks ago where maybe Cam Smith's um, leadership and kicking game yeah. brings them back into that game and they don't, they don't fall them into that situation. But, like, I don't, I don't feel like they lose too much. And, I, like, I say this with fucking so much fucking respect for yeah, Cameron yeah, Smith. No. I don't feel like they lose too much with the Harry Grant and the cheese combination. Because you know why? They're both better runners than Cameron Smith ever was. Oh, yeah, they better. both can yeah. pass the ball. Harry Grant can pass the ball just as well. He can pass long. He can jump out, hit short. He can kick off like his feet mm-hmm. as well. He, he just doesn't have an experience with, but which is he's fucking 22. So he's <laughs> not going to have an experience of a 38-year-old and 40 test origin, but all that sort games. of shit as well. And it's <laughs> going to come. But, man, it's a weird thought to say that the best guy that's ever played the game, you hardly feel the loss of it. Well, I put it back to, like, when Joey left Newcastle, like, they're still, <laughs> they're still kind of <laughs> trying to figure out what's happening. Yeah, Parramatta with yeah. Peter Sterling, and they Sterling, always say that. Yeah, like, these these generational players that are in these they're kind of institutions and in these squads, then they leave, there's always a hangover, but... Melbourne just doing Melbourne shit. There's, there's no hangover. And they have a legit big five with those two, with Cheese and, and Grant. Hughes, like, people need to put some fucking respect on Jerome Hughes as a halfback and obviously Money and Pappy. Like, they've gone from this amazing dynasty with the big three that we all thought was never going to end. Then it was just Smith and Slater. Then it was just Smith. 
and now it's these five. It's like do you know, a mess, bro. Do you know why I think a lot of people sleep on Jerome? I think I think he's the most efficient half. Doesn't and overplay his hand, yeah. But the amount of his touches compared to like what he actually does with them, like he wouldn't touch the ball as much as uh, anyone in be interesting to see the stat off it, but just just from like looking at it, he doesn't touch the ball as much as most halves would as a seven. But when he does touch him, shit seems to happen. Yeah, and that's obviously within the structure. But the other side of that, I think where you give Cameron Smith credit and Cooper Cronk credit and Billy Slater, they build an infrastructure and Bellamy to the main point. They build an infrastructure and a culture that's so fucking strong that they don't need to be there. That, yeah. that's, that's how good of a system that they've built within Melbourne that you could get three of the best players to ever play the game over the last 10 years and people just sort of slot in. And that comes off the back of habits and culture and Kronk, time. Kronk and time. used to talk about that all the time. He's like, there were some trainings where Bellamy was kind of, he wouldn't have to say much. He was just like, the, the boys, it was all in place. Everyone knew what they were doing. Even guys were kind of new to the squad. Yeah. It was like we could almost not even like take training, but training was just like a, almost turning the legs over and staying fresh. Like they've got such an amazing organization from like a business standpoint like the club organization top down down is so good so when guys like harry grant or cheese or jerome come in it's just like the seamless transition whereas you know perhaps lesser clubs or lesser organizations they really feel that hangover from a generational talent here's a word that you'll never hear melbourne say rebuild never they just reload they don't rebuild they reload and that's just how fucking strong they are but in terms of the five Man, I reckon, like we talked about just a little bit before, Penrith to an extent, because they got Tyrone May that can sort of cover multiple positions. Yep. I don't think he's as effective as a Cheese or a Harry Grant. Yep. And then the other one is South with Benji. Mm. So that five's important. It doesn't always have to be the nine that rolls on, but um, those that can influence games, I think Benji's right up there as well. Yeah, like he's rocking on in the 13 and just like para, para, para building there with Moses Brown, Gutho, Reed, and obviously Nathan Brown's kind of their fifth wheel in that. But yeah. they're a little way off being in that upper, upper echelon. Um, but yeah, they're, they're they're different Melbourne. Um, let's just jump right off the back then into the Warriors because we were out at Cogger while well, I was. You boys brush me. Um, watching the Mighty Wars complete forty or forty sets, man, against Mudders the first team in NRL history to ever do that. First team to ever do that. Um, I think it was like over. They've done it before. They've completed one hundred percent before, but it was like thirty something sets, and I think yeah. it was against the Dragons as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so something about playing the Dragons, but it was obviously a pretty hectic game. We mentioned, well, you mentioned last week that it was a bit of a danger game for the Dragons. Um, I, just firstly, had a, I just had a feeling that they were yeah, going to lose. I think we all had that feeling. You mentioned it was the peak of that para game, which they really got up for, and the boys obviously were in here talking about that. Mm. Um, they were aware that the Warriors was a danger game. It's not like they slept on the Warriors, but when a team turns up and completes 40 sets, yeah, it's hard to beat. Do? Yeah, yeah. So it would have been interesting if they completed all 40 and lost as well. Like yeah. it sort of shows where Dragons are right now. It's not, not that they're... Like they went up against a really good side and only lost by like four. Like obviously no, they were in chances to win the game as well. But how they bounce back this week against the Roosters at Anzac Day, mm. that's going to be like the key, and that's going to see if they're actually a really good side. Same things with Titans. You sort of see the Dragons and Titans in around the same sort of area. Yeah, okay. uh, but they're in a pr- pretty good little spot now because we're going to be rolling into Origin period. I don't see too many of their players. Maybe Benny Hunt gets picked up there. Maybe. Depends like, on what his health's like. Paulie Vaughan's yeah. been playing good enough to maybe get a squeak in. Yeah, but has he, has he passed his time where um, Paulo's in now and, and mm. RCG, other guys, and you've got the Safiti brothers there as well. Yeah, yeah, you know what right. I mean? Sometimes that game sort of moves on past that. So um, if they can jag these next little couple wins, it's going to be good. The other side of the Warriors, I think they're a better side in Australia. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is a tough thing to say, but I actually think they're a better side. They don't have to travel. There's, there's certain I've boys. I've seen the boys out and, t- out and about too, that's what so I'm saying. they're enjoying there's, the life over there. There's a click of them that love it. Yeah. And then there's a click of them that don't. Who uh, loves it the most? Jazz. 
<laughs> the Wallaby side, of course, Jazz loves it the most. Yeah, um, yeah, the, I agree. They're, I mean, they've, they've always been a better side. The less they have to travel, the better they are. And you've played for the Warriors, you've played for Penrith, you've played for sides that have to travel a bit. It's there's no getting around it, and there's a reason you know everyone bangs on about it. It fucking takes it out of you, man. A three hour flight takes it out of you, and your like your days off are spent flying. So yeah. like, which is not a day off. No, it's, it's not a day off. <laughs> yeah, it's work. So I remember we used to, and because of the time difference, like there, you guys, New Zealand's three hours ahead. Yeah. So like, say say we, we'd leave here at like say seven in the morning, get to the airport by nine, and then for three hours you fly, you land there three o'clock Aussie time. It's like six o'clock New Zealand yeah. time. So you half you get home and you're half getting ready for bed and you got training in the morning. Yeah. Fucking sucks. Yeah. So, uh, but the other side of that, if they can go, if they can take what they've learned here, um, I reckon they're a lot closer side. I think New Zealand Kiwi boys, Islander boys, they always work better on tour because, um, like, it's bond, all about yeah. family and bonding and that stuff's really important to like Kiwis and Islanders and mm. stuff like that. So if they can take what they've learned over here for the past year and a half, go back home and sort of build some sort of structure in and around, they potentially could build a mini type of fortress over there because yeah. no one no one on this side has travelled for a while too. Yeah, it's going to be the Dragons, the first team to travel there as well. Yeah. Which is going to be funny. I think another 100% never yeah. completion radar. <laughs> Corey's never won over there. He goes, beauty. Yeah. <laughs> never won in New Zealand. <laughs> it's weird, eh? Yeah, it's weird. And um, then, but it's weirder over there as well too. So the you, yeah. you, get, you get boys that are naturally more... But we, we grew up throwing, throwing the footy around and yelling we'll, Benji every time, yeah. Yeah, when we walk to school, throwing a footy pass, we're playing like touch at lunchtime, you know what I mean? We're not, we're not used to dry conditions. And now the boys are climatized and are used to dry conditions. Mm. Fucking cunts are completely at 100%. I think, I think if the Warriors are healthy, obviously I'm very biased when it comes to them, but I think they're in that Titans Dragons category as well. I think they're very much a 6 to 12 side. Yep. Um, if Fennel Blake comes back, if Chanel, I think Chanel's back this week, it might be next week, and he's healthy, I think they could fuck around and get in the top eight. Um, I don't know how far Rog can carry them because he's looks like he's just Superman at the moment. Roger, you're the man, bro. You're <laughs> fucking so Carl's good. Carl's the doom. Um, and he, it was 100 games for the Warriors on the weekend, so shout out Roger as well. Um, just off the back of the completions, I wanted to get your thoughts on, Justin said something as we were leaving the ground, which I thought was quite interesting. Because I said, I thought the Dragons were probably the better side or the, it was a very close side and all that was was just errors in the end. But Justin said, with these new rules obviously with the speed of the game, coupled with the captain's challenge, taking away those little 50-50s, the subtle rakes and that, mm. he's like, wrestling back momentum now is damn near impossible. So a team who completes 40 sets, he's like, it's the NRL, bro. If the Bulldogs complete 40 sets, they're going to beat you. Like, what do you think about, like, well, what he says there in terms of wrestling momentum back with A, the new rules, and B, the captain's challenge, taking away those little 50-50 goals? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't think, it, like, there's enough data just to have a, like, overall yeah. opinion. But, like, there'll be a lot of clubs, like a Melbourne or Roosters, they'll be actually, like, studying mm. this type of stuff. Maybe Ivan will be, like, he's into all that very, like, statistical. Yeah. yeah, and, like, you look at the Panthers play, they hardly make mistakes as well. And it's not like they're just going, like, one up, one up, one up. They're actually throwing, like, a lot of shapes and a lot of different looks at you yeah. as well. So, I don't know. It's, it's a really interesting rule. I was someone... Without a doubt, the Melbourne, Penrith, or Roosters, someone will be studying the stats behind yeah. it. Well, Ivan used to have this stat where it was like seven minutes. So this, the start of your first seven minutes of the game, the seven minutes before halftime, and the seven minutes after halftime. Most so crucial. Yeah. Most cr and he used to measure it, and we used to have the score um, ladder up in the, um, in the gym of teams that scored within those times. So first seven... Uh, last seven before the half and first seven after. And it wasn't too far off what the actual NRL letter was. Yeah, right. So we used to put all our focus into those seven-minute blocks. They never breather. Yeah, <laughs> fucking let a few enough. tries. And, and, and it was weird. Like, a couple of them were off, but it wasn't It wasn't too much. Yeah, So interesting. Coaches think like that. They're fucking nerds. They, they think about football all the time. And obviously with these new rules in, someone's going to be measuring it. Yeah. And make some, make, making mistakes 
I, I think it's crucial. I think with these new rules, just like on Justin's point, I think it is more important now because you've had cases before, like under the Stephen Kearney regime, where the Warriors led the NRL in completions and finished 14th. Yeah. So it's like it wasn't as important when the game was slower, but now with how fast it is and how quick, like even Corey's spoken about it before, he's like, when a team starts rolling, like it's so hard to wrestle back momentum. You put on top of that that no one's dropping the ball, mm. fucking damn near impossible. Yeah, but team, like, uh, it's a new adjustment as well. So like like all rules, they do take time to adjust. And once they build it into training systems and different things like that, so like mm. say the Roosters, they, they used to practice every run with, with someone getting Sinbin because a lot of guys are getting Sinbin. And then yeah, in, the biggest right. game, in the biggest game in the world and in, in the grand final and Cooper Cronk gets sent off, We've done this. Yeah, we've done this before. Yeah. Who gives a fuck if it's the biggest stadium, <laughs> biggest moment ever? So mm. um, all rules take time to adapt, and then your your Melbournes will figure it out first, your Roosters, your Penrith will figure it everyone out, and then everyone will copy. Yeah. yeah, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Always has and always will be. All right, well, that's it, baby. Show and go done for another week. Organisation, eh, hey, mate? Look good. <laughs>